All right. Everybody online, if y'all have any uh, any comments, if you're online with us on Zoom, if you have any comments, open up your chat box. If you have any questions or anything or any prayer request, we will um, make sure that it's on the on the television. So we will be able to see if you have any questions. We will not have the volume on, so we will not be able to hear you. But if you have any questions or you have any um, comments, whatever, please make sure that you put them in the comments field. If you're unable to do that, if you're calling in on a phone rather than on the Zoom, please make notes, make notes of any questions you may have and send them to us. We would be more than happy to answer all questions uh, with the biblical precedences that are applied to those questions, not by our opinions. So guys, if you have any questions, make sure you put them in the comments field. All right. I want to ask one question before we get started. How many of you want the devil to know your name? Amen. Because I'm going to tell you, if he, well, he already knows who you are, so, but he will definitely know who you are when it comes to deliverance. Come on. You cast out one demon, that demon, when it gets into the abyss, is going to run right to pop and tell him everything. The seven sons of Sceva, as we know in the Bible, they try to cast out demons in the name of Jesus that Paul uses. And the demon turned to them and said, Paul, I know, or Paul, I've heard of, and Jesus, I know, but who are you? And they kicked that one demon and that one man tore all seven of their clothes off and threw them all out of the house beat up. I'm going to tell you something here too, guys. And we're going to talk about fear. Fear is a liar. Yes, it is. Fear is a liar. Since very few hands went up, I need you to understand something. We need to start walking in no fear. Come on. We we fight from a place of victory because the victory is already taken care of. The victory is already done. Jesus Christ did it. It's not you. It's not me. It's not Leslie yeah. who does anything. It's the King of King and the Lord of Lords that does everything. Man. So there's absolutely no reason to fear the devil knowing who you are. Period. Okay. You got two sources that are fighting for you every single day. That's the Lord and that's the devil. So I want to start with by going to Mark 16, 14 through 18 first. So if you would get your Bible and let's turn to that. Because it's important to understand that Jesus has given us a directive. Mm -hmm. Given us a directive. It's okay. That's why we don't have carpet in here. And it's okay. But the, tonight's Bible study is all about the biblical foundations 
of casting out demons. Yes. We want to give you where it says it in the Bible, because all of you who know Ben and I very well, we are not going to say something without it being backed up in the word of God. Amen. Yes. We're not about talk and lip service. We want to give you biblical accuracy where it's backed up in the word of God. So I want to start that by saying to clarify things, this is what tonight is. We are not doing a, a test or we're a not, we're not, mock I'm not going to do a mock deliverance. What I'm going to show you is the scriptures about everything. Because we had several questions uh, Saturday because we had two deliverances Saturday. And there was questions about why did you say this? What 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 is that in the Bible along those lines? Okay. So uh, I want to make sure that we cover the scriptures of all of these items. Okay. So let's go to Mark 16 and I'm going to be reading 14 through 18 to start off. Amen. Amen. Everybody there. Do you have enough paper towels? Cause I can get you another roll. Because, I mean, that's going to soak up. You mind, Mark? Thank you, sir. Okay. okay. Don't worry. No. That's okay. It's, it's Yes, it popped right off. It's okay. Here we go. Later, he, that's Jesus, appeared. We know in, in the other gospel that he would appear behind. They were locked inside of a room. And he appeared where they were there. Here it is again. He appeared to the eleven. As they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Verse 15, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So I want to make sure we break down the scripture. So there's some questions here and your handout. Everybody have a handout. Why did Jesus rebuke the 11 first? Yes, their unbelief and the hardness of their heart. The, their unbelief, which is lack of faith. And their hardness of heart. I would dare say that he would rebuke the church today for very similar reasons. Hmm. What was the first directive? I'm not talking about the first sign, but what was the first directive that Jesus gave them? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every preacher. That was the directive. Go into all the world. And preach the gospel to every creature. Every creature. Uh, it reminds me of what Paul tells Timothy. 
to preach the word of God in season and out, whether it's convenient or inconvenient, we should be proclaiming the gospel. In verse 16, what is the one word that is pivotal between being saved and condemned? Belief. 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 Now, there's two words there, belief and baptized. And I wanted to cover that. Belief is the verb of faith. There's pistis, which is faith, and pastio, which is belief. Pistis is the noun. It is what it is. And believing or believes is the verb of that faith. So there's action behind just saying you believe Jesus in Jesus. If there's no action behind that, do you truly believe? No. No, the answer is no. Ask it again. Okay, I want to make sure everybody understands. If you say you believe in Jesus and there's no action behind that in your belief in him, do you truly believe in Jesus? No. No. Okay. No. Not just talk to talk. Yes. Those that are not just hearers of the word, but doers. doers. It also says faith without works, works is what? Dead. Dead. Okay. So these are the backing up. Now I want to make sure there's a difference between bapto and baptizo, which is this word right here. Because a lot of people misunderstand that. Well, if you don't get baptized, you're not saved. That's not what this word means. This word means transformation. You're completely baptized into Jesus and he's into you. You abide in him and he abides in you. That's where the new creature comes into place. In the New Testament, when baptizo is used, it is not always about, most of the time, it's not about water baptism at all. It's about the transformation that happens when you come into a relationship with Jesus. You know, and I know, I will put myself, there was years and years and years that I had pistis with no pastillo, and I was not changed. I was not baptizo in Jesus. I was the same old Ben that I always was. I did what Ben always wanted to do and continued to do those things. There was no transformation. And ba yeah, baptizo is not water baptism. It's the change. It's transformation. This but uh, no, pistillo is belief. That is the verb of faith. The baptizo is the transformation. It is, it is, I love the way it's put. Um, it's when you go from cucumber to pickle. That's what that that's what baptizo is. Going from cucumber to pickle. That's what that means. Man. You are transformed. And without those two things, you are not, you can say all day long, you can wear the badge, I'm a Christian, but without those two things, you truly have not been changed. You're not transformed. So number four, what is the first sign that will follow a believer? According to this scripture, what Jesus said. Cast out demons. First one. That's right. First one, this is the sign they will cast out demons. That's number one sign that Jesus mentions is cast out demons. The second sign. Amen. Amen. Welcome, everybody. I just wanted to welcome everybody again. I've seen that a lot more people are on. Guys, uh, I have it on mute just to let you know. So if you have any comments, 
anything along those lines, please make sure that you put it uh, in the comments field and we will try our best to cover those thing, those things. Okay. So the first sign is to cast out demons. What's the second sign? They will speak in new tongues. They will speak in new tongues. These signs will follow those that believe. The first is they will cast out demons. And the second is they will speak in new tongues. Okay. Does anybody have any questions about, I don't, I know this is about the biblical foundations of cast out demons. Does anybody have any questions about tongues? Now's the time to ask if you have any questions. Okay. Because it says that as a Christian, as a believer, as having been changed, that is one of the signs that we should have. Okay. So I want to make sure you understand that. The third, what's the third sign? Verse 18. They will pick up serpents. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. Now, I want to make sure because there's some uh, some some interesting characters in the Appalachian Mountains that carry around. Literally, they have snakes in their church. OK, this is not what the Bible's talking about. This is not what Jesus is talking about. Serpents and scorpions uh, in the Old Testament horses are also mentioned. But in the New Testament, serpents and scorpions are demons. We know the serpent of old. The dragon of old, that's the devil himself. That's what it's talking about. It's not talking about we need to go find a copperhead and see if I'm a Christian or not. Right. That's that's foolish. Please don't. Please don't. I will kill it. Okay. But I want you to understand why does Jesus say that by no means will it hurt you? Does anybody have a guess? Because he's, he's more powerful. 100, 100%. Who's on your side? Jesus. Jesus is on your side. Okay? Yeah. That means that, you, blood, that you can walk into the devil's camp and walk out unscathed because you have Jesus on your side. Okay? I'm not talking about doing foolish stuff. What I'm talking is you have the authority and these things by no means will hurt you is what Jesus says. But I'm going to ask you a question. If you're full of fear, do you think you're going to get hurt? Okay. If you have doubt and unbelief, do you think you're going to get hurt? Yes. That's why it's important to understand these things. Okay. The reference scripture is Ephesians 6.12. It says that our weapons are spiritual. They're not carnal. They're not fleshly. And it's against the dark principalities and the rulers of this dark world. That's what our battle is. It's not flesh and blood, but it's against the spiritual. That's the reference in Ephesians 6.12. What is the fourth sign? They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. That's in verse 18, the very last part of the sentence. They will lay hands on the sick and they might recover? No. No. They will recover. They will recover. So I have a question. Knowing this, 
what we just read, what Jesus himself, these are red letter words, knowing this, what is the gospel of Christ and what makes it complete? The gospel of Christ is hope. It's good news. It's hope. It's hope. Okay. It's it's all. It, but it's now if we're going out and we're proclaiming the gospel, that's what he says. Go preach the gospel. Preach my gospel, not mine, but Jesus's. I'm I'm just giving you this example. Jesus says, "Go and preach my gospel, and those that will believe, these signs will follow." Does that mean then that his gospel includes these things? Yes. Yes. It's everything. Yes. It's casting out demons. It's speaking new tongues. It's picking up snakes and, and drinking deadly, not being hurt. It's laying hands on the sick. It's all part. It's good news. Why? Because good news, what he says, he said, Jesus says it himself. I've come to set the captives free. He's come to give legs to the lame, sight to the blind. All of these things are his gospel. You know, the message of salvation is so, so vital. But if we miss these other things, we are preaching an incomplete gospel. Right. How can you get people saved and not also teach them that they're free, not teach them that they can be healed, not teach that they speak in new tongues, not teach that they should cast out demons? I mean, how many of you know other churches that cast out demons? None. That means the gospel right now is out there is incomplete in most churches. We have to, knowing what this scripture means, knowing what this commission is for each and every one of us Christians, have to do a better job of teaching the gospel to every single person that we come in contact with. Now, if they believe and they're baptized, they're saved. If they refuse to believe, it says they're already condemned. That's not up to us to decide, well, they're not going to believe it or, or they're going to refuse it. No, we do what we're called to do. And those that are called and answer, they answer the call. If they don't, that's on them, right? Okay. Now, what is the one thing in all of these things? What is the one thing that differentiated Jesus's ministry from everything before him? What is the one thing in Jesus's ministry that differentiated his ministry other than the fact that he's Jesus? I understand that's an obvious thing, but of his ministry, what's the one thing that differentiated him from the Old Testament? Besides that, besides that, his ministry, I'm talking about not who he is, but what his ministry was. Deliverance. That happened in the Old Testament, too. The only difference is the casting out of demons. What did they say when he cast out a demon? Is this a new teaching? Is this a new doctrine? This His authority, even demons listened to him. People were raised from the dead. People saw, lost their eyesight. And they were, of course, he did heal the one gentleman that was born blind. I understand that. But people were healed from these things in the Old Testament. The one thing that differentiated Jesus from these other ministries, his ministry, I'm not talking about who he was, but was the fact that he cast out demons. He cast out demons. That was the one thing that amazed the people more than anything was that a demons were submitted. Even when we're going to read it in just a second in Luke 10, 
17, and they were just blown away. Even the demons are subject to us in your name. They were just amazed. They'd healed people. They'd done all these things, but that's the one thing they came back to Jesus and talked about was the deliverance from demonic activity. It's important to understand this because these are the biblical foundations for what? Casting out demons. That's what we're talking about here. Okay. Because I think it's so important that we understand the biblical side, because as I said in the beginning, me saying something and doing it without the biblical means absolutely nothing. We know that the word of God, it is red letters. This is Jesus speaking, saying that all of us here online through Zoom, that we have been sent. He says, this is the great commission. We need to do these things. And so I think it's important that we know this because each and every one of us needs to be doing this. Don't you think that if we all operated in this great commission right here, let's just say two churches in Hallettsville do it. That would change lives because someone's going to go and say, my God, I got free. Then someone's going to say, well, I want to get free and it can just spread around. This is why Jesus's ministry, he's telling us to do it is so important that we do this. Amen. Amen. I'm, I just. Yes. Now, the old people, one were talking in tongues, and then one another, one of the old folks, speak up and start answering. The interpretation, the interpretation. of tongues. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Really, really got to my heart. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I would say that's not just that, but almost all the gifts are lacking within the church today. Yeah. And yes. that's why we continue to pray for all nine gifts, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, to be evident in this church and the fivefold ministry. All fivefold to be, it's it's not just a pastor, it's the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. All of those also to be operating in this church. We have most of those covered, but the gifting on that side it has happened. The interpretation has happened several times in this church, but it it we're praying that somebody, because remember, all gifts are as the spirit wills. And we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14. If we talk about these things, is to understand all of these things happen as they will. In 14, Paul says that only three should give tongues and three should interpret those maximum. You don't want to have everybody. Also, if there's nobody there to interpret, you should remain silent. That means to pray in silence in your tongues. That's your prayer language. It says that when no one is there to interpret it, when you do this, it edifies yourself. There's a differentiation between the prophetic and praying in tongues because that says you're praying directly to God. If there's somebody there to interpret, which has happened, Leslie before has done that and God gave me the vision as she was. And then I interpreted and gave it to everybody. It happened one other time. I was speaking in tongues and God gave me that as well. But I'm praying that more people, like you're saying, these folks of old, because I understand exactly what you're talking. Man, I mean, that 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 is it. 
but I want not just that. And Paul says, pray for the higher gifts, which is prophecy. He goes, I wish that you all speak in tongues, but pray for prophecy. He goes, I'd rather speak five words that people can understand than 10,000 in tongues. He was praying. He says, how do I handle this? I pray in my spirit language and in my mind with understanding. I sing in this, that's 1 Corinthians 14, verse 15, which we share every morning. Those things are happening, but we want praying because that's what a church should be. All nine gifts should be present. And that's what we're praying for. Yes, ma'am. Please, ma'am. And um, there's a gentleman that spoke this that uh, I I watch and trust what I'm hearing. He was saying how churches these days, what they're teaching is not the truth. Not the truth. And it, it just, it hurts him to see what is happening. Yes. And and these are the ones, the, the, the people that sit under them are walking in these teachings. And so you, when I'm hearing the fivefold, um, they're not talking all about fivefolds, but they are talking about tongues. They're talking about casting out things. And I, I, I don't know the sincerity, the, the realness of it. When um when um people are speaking in tongues and and um praying over other people um because of what he was sharing and it was something that I saw about the body of Christ where there's no power in the body of Christ and there's no power in the church because there is um a fakeness there's a lie there's a teaching that are not of truth that are being poured into people and taught and saying this is true. So they act in it and they walk in it, but there's no power. There's no transformation. Yes. There's no change within that. There's no growth. There's no um, people truly casting out or truly, I mean, it's just a fakeness. Yes, ma'am. They do it because they say they should be doing it. But I remember my first experience with church is, if I didn't um, speak in tongues, then I wasn't saved. And I know that I went up to the altar. Yes. God knew me. So I faked it. I faked it because I just, well, I guess I need to be doing that and not knowing and understanding what I was doing at all. I want to, I want to, I want to, I'm glad you said that because I want to make sure you understand. I, and I truly believe that we all have the ability. We all have the ability to speak in tongues. I truly believe that as because that's what Jesus says. One of the signs will be that. Now, guys, the Holy Spirit never forces us to do anything. He's a gentleman. Yes. He will not make you flip and do somersaults or run around a church. <laughs> that's out of order. I've seen that happen. I'm sure some of you have too. And he will not make you act a fool. You have to move. Uh, uh, Derek Prince put it perfectly. He says, he says he was talking to somebody was talking to him about tongues. Since we're speaking specifically about that, he, he was talking about, well, people say that you're moving your mouth. He goes, I want to make sure everybody understands. Yes, you are moving your mouth, but you are allowing the Holy spirit 
to speak through you. You've got to move your mouth. The Holy Spirit's not coming in. You become a robot and your mouth starts moving. It's you. It, the first sign of baptism of the Holy Spirit is what? Baptism in the Holy Spirit. What's the first sign? Speaking in tongues. Now, if you don't speak in tongues, does that mean you're not saved? No. That means we would all need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Well, wait a second. I got to get saved. Then I got to get baptized. Then I got to get baptized in the Holy Spirit or I'm not going to heaven. None of that's true. If you transform into a new creature and you die and you never get water baptized, are you going to hell? Well, that means the guy that was on the cross next to Jesus that accepted Jesus Christ. Jesus says, hold on, Romans. Hold on. It, all you Israelites, me and this guy are going to hop off this cross real quick. We got to go down to the creek. I'm going to baptize him real quick. And then we're going to get back up on the cross. That never happened. And he, what did he say to the man? I'll see you in paradise when? Today. I'll see you today. So I understand that. And I know there's some churches. I, I know people that are in the back rooms at some churches. And the churches tell them, when I point to you, you fall out in the spirit. They they point, they say, it's your turn to go out in the spirit. So everybody thinks the Holy Spirit's here. The, this is happening. I understand that. It's grieving because if we allow the Holy Spirit to have his way, these things are going to happen. Okay. And I know that some people have come in and they're like, I always thought it was fake going out in the spirit until it happened to me. And it, and it happened. And when it happens to you and it's real, you know it. There's a lot of people have that doubt, but when it happens to you, we had a lady that had never been in church. She came in, she saw one person go out, but she wanted prayer. She was dealing with some situations. She went out in the spirit and everything changed. She goes, oh my gosh, this is not faith. This is real. This is, <laughs> this is not. Real. So if you allow the Holy Spirit, the one that brings all nine gifts if you allow the Holy Spirit who puts those people into positions of the fivefold ministry, if you allow the Holy Spirit, who's the most important person on this planet today to have his way, these things will be happening. The problem is man wants to be in control. That's why the fivefold ministry is not happening in churches. That's why there's fake tongues. That's why there's false teaching. You better preach. Because... The Holy Spirit is not a being allowed to have his way. And so, so just, I want to end my pause. Yes. So not only is there fakeness, but there is without. Oh, so without. Yes, you don't have the fivefold because you don't teach the fivefold. You're not mentoring in the fivefold. Bingo. You're not teaching this to your, your body of Christ. So there are churches that lack. Yes. They don't even believe this. Yes. So they laugh. They, so they there's do. no power. There's, there's just... and I, but I want to make sure everybody understands that does not mean everybody in that church is going to hell. <laughs> no. Please don't <laughs> misunderstand. Because I mean, everybody's going to say, oh my gosh, there's no fire there. Everybody's going to hell in that church. That's not what's happening. Yeah. That's not happening. Yeah, no. Yes, sir. Um, I think it's secretly missing humility. Humility comes here. Really understand what God's done for you. And, uh, uh, just he, he really had no place to judge anybody. And in that humility, because tongues and all the other gifts were given up, filled up, they glorify Jesus. The Holy Spirit will always. Jesus. Always. always, always, yes, sir. And that's what he and he says that. 
Five. That's exactly right. That's it. How do they look or getting respect or whatever? And without knowing, Holy Spirit is not going to, there's not space in Because I mean, that's a fact. If you don't let him have his way, he's going to go somewhere else. Yeah. And then that's something else that we got to realize. A lot of these churches, it's not necessarily that they're not speaking any truth and they're not speaking that truth. They're not speaking the full truth. Whenever he says it over and over again, that the entire Bible is for the church. He really means the full Bible. You can't cherry pick which part. That's the bingo. That's it. And have you got to teach it all, not just parts you think of it. Okay. No, you got to teach it. And let's seemingly back because when what's bad for the flesh so let's make sure we differentiate what's bad for the flesh because there's a lot of things in here that my flesh does not like at all but and otherwise i don't want to cut everybody short but if we don't get to this i'm we're not going to finish this this evening and i would like to like to as much as possible so we'll try to cover more questions at the end matt let's go deliverances for the children let's go to matthew 21 28 I wanted to put this in there because one of the biggest lies within the church today is that Christians cannot have a demon affliction, that Christians cannot have oppression of demonic activity. That would be like saying a Christian cannot catch a cold, and we know that's not true either. Because remember, the demon cannot go in your spirit, man. Your spirit, man, is made in the image of God. Saved or unsaved, your spirit, man, is made in his image. But a demon can go in the flesh and can go in the mind. Okay. I, I have that personal account. Everybody's heard my testimony, but let's go to Matthew 21, 28. Did I put the right one here? I think I got the wrong scripture. Let me hold on one second. No, I got the wrong scripture. I did a couple of these. So that this is, hold on one second. Yes, it is. It's a good one. We're talking about the the woman, the woman, the Syrophoenician woman, when she came to Jesus. When she came to Jesus, the Syrophoenician woman, her daughter had a demon in her, right? And that's the wrong, I have the wrong, the wrong number down. Give me just one. Um, no, I just have. I'm looking up that scripture real quick. It's not the. It's not the wrong. Not well. It exists. I just have. Yes, sir. It is. Is in Mark seven twenty four and also in Matthew. It's in both of those, but let's go to Mark 7, 24. Mark 7, 24, because it's the same recount in both of them. Give me an amen when you get to Mark 7, 24. It's also in Matthew 15, 21, sorry, but it doesn't matter. Um, 
My wife often points out that I transpose numbers all the time. Yes. And that's okay. It's okay. We are, I am weak and he is strong. Seven and 24. From there, he arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and he entered a house and wanted no one to know it, but he could not be hidden. For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him, and she came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she kept asking him to cast out the demon of her daughter. But Jesus said, let the children be filled first. For it is not good to take the children's bed, bread and throw it to the little dogs. So we see this right here. Why did the woman come to Jesus? To have a demon cast out of her daughter. Okay. Now, who did Jesus say he was there for in reference to her request? She asked him to cast out a demon in her daughter, and who did Jesus say he was there for? The children. The children. Now, who are the children? The Israelites are the children. He is saying, I have come to cast out demons from the children. That's what he said. I've come to the children's bread is deliverance here. That's what she asked for. That was his response. Yes, he probably would. And then he called her. A, he called her a dog too. So that would have been really. All you ladies would have probably got very upset at that. But remember, the word is not little dogs. The word is pet dog in the Greek, because they had a they had a uh, epitaph for these women. It was called a hound or a wild dog. He did not use that epitaph. He called her a pet. So she understood there was a differentiation in how Jesus responded. So we see that. Who did Jesus say he was there to reference to request? The children of Israel, right? Now in Galatians 3, 7, let's turn to that just quickly. You there? Therefore know that only those who are who are of faith are sons of Abraham. So the question is, who are children? We are. We are. We are now the children. We are in that in that same thing. I wanted to make sure you understood that because this is a, a misunderstanding in deliverance, that it's only for people that aren't Christians. Now, let me ask you a question. What person that does not believe in Jesus would accept the name of Jesus to cast out a demon that's inside of them. And would they even believe they had a demon in the first place? No. No, that's no, they're not going to believe that it. thought process is a lie that has been propagated in the church by Satan. Jesus came to bring us deliverance. Okay? To bring the children deliverance. It's our bread. Healing is our bread. Deliverance is our bread. Yes. The fruit is our bread. Freedom, sight, Legs that walk, that's our bread, and including deliverance Amen. is our bread, okay? Now, this is, as Mike put it, forgiving is not, an op is not optional, it is essential. Let's go to Matthew 6. 
Matthew 6, 14. This is not a scripture that is very often referred to because it flies in the, in the, in the face of a lot of misbelief and under, misunderstanding. Everybody at Matthew 6, 14? Amen. For if you, that's you and me, Jesus' red letter words, for if you and I forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. We all know that one, right? Yes. But we very, very seldomly read number 15. But if you do not forgive man their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Mm. This is essential. This is essential. Leslie and I have done many, many deliverances, and we've had to stop a couple of them for the very reason that the person could not forgive any the person. Without forgiveness, deliverance will not proceed because the devil knows there's unforgiveness That's in right. their life. If you can't forgive somebody, it's cancer growing inside of you, and the enemy knows it. The enemy also knows if you can't forgive somebody, the Father in heaven cannot forgive you either. That's Jesus's words. That's what this, this scripture says in verse 15. Forgiveness has to happen in order for a lot of things to happen. Uh, forgiveness has to happen. I've known people that have remained sick and they've gone to the grave in the illnesses that they have because they will not forgive. Yes. I know people that will not forgive people that are in the graveyard already. And we have had to stop several times for, uh, deliverance because the person would not forgive. That's gotta, that's gotta happen up front. And I know we talk about a lot of things that are going on all over the place, but it, we're not talking about those things as I'm unforgiving or hateful toward them. I want them to be set free from those things as well. A lot of people have spoken against me and about me. That doesn't bother me at all. It says in the word, they hated him first. They're going to hate me too. I'm in good company, right? <laughs> but you got to forgive them. Holding on to these things. I know I know an individual that the last time I spoke to this person, I told this person if, if that person did not forgive their family, that it would just do nothing but destroy the entire family. And that person still doesn't forgive everybody. And that person still has issues and holds on to all of those things to this day. And this person also stopped talking to me. Because that's the word of God, not my word. It's the word of God. Everything all right? Yeah, I'm just waiting. Yes. Okay. So you're saying forgiveness is not for them; it's for you. Exactly. Well, the forgiveness is definitely not for the other person. It's for you. But I think the biggest part is, as we see in there, it says that if we don't forgive, the scary part to me is that our heavenly Verse Father 15, will, not, will not forgive yes. us. I mean, that's that's scary. I mean, Indeed. he forgives everything except when we know the blasphemy, but the 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 sin of that. But if, when it says this, this really stuck out. Neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Yes, that's essential, guys, that we must seek forgiveness and release it. 
It's we have done. Listen, guys, this isn't our first rodeo, and this is why Sir, we've thing. seen this in the church house. We've that seen this in deliverance so ministries. This is why we this are not life. talking and doing this. We are giving biblical accounts, the foundation for biblical, so you understand what Amen. this is talking about. Yes, Amen. we have to understand these things. And we, I got a lot of text messages. Oh, are you going to do a deliver? No, we're giving you biblical because so many people just talk. I want to see where it says in the word of God. And this is what we should all be asking every pastor, every mentor. Where does it say that in the word of God? I don't want to just hear what you have to say. And if you need to come to me, Pastor Leslie, Leslie, sis, whoever you call me, I want to see it. I better be able to back it up with the word of God. That's it. That's it. Right? period yes and without this without these scriptures i would not recommend anybody doing deliverance because if you don't get these things taken care of first you're setting yourself up you're setting yourself up okay so we need to forgive also fear let's go to second timothy 1 7 all right second timothy 1 7 this is a big one because people will forgive but they hang on to fear. Amen. I'm there. Amen. It says in 2 Timothy 1 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Okay, so when I asked this question in the very beginning, do you mind the devil knowing your name? And uh, everybody started putting their hand up and then put it back down. You've got to get rid of that fear. There's no reason for you to have fear, even in the face of the devil. That's what grace does. It gives you the strength. That word hottest, which we covered before, gives you the strength to come against the devil himself. You cannot have fear. Now, I've asked this question before. It actually, this reason I've asked this question is because of before I ever did a deliverance, I was talking about deliverance with an individual. And this gentleman said a friend of his went to do deliverance on another gentleman. And what ended up happening is the two men started, it got into a physical fight. They beat each other up. And because this is what happened. The demon started calling out the issues with the other person. Remember, we are not in a bat, we're not in a battle of flesh and blood, but against the dark principalities and the rulers of this world. So, guys, it is important to understand if you have unforgiveness in your life, if you have fear in your life, that demon will know it. And if that demon turns around and jumps on you and bites you in the face, which you you can't have authority to do that unless you're holding on to these things. Come on. And if your response is to get into a physical altercation with somebody that has a demon in there, then you're just as guilty as that person. You cannot go in to a deliverance with fear, with unforgiveness or with anger. You can't. You can't do that because if you're if you're ready to fight, it better be in a spiritual sense, not in a physical sense, because that's exactly what the devil wants. 
I want to add the fear of deliverance itself. It is a lie from the enemy, 100%. Everybody see what Diamond wrote, the fear of deliverance. There's, we're counseling an individual right now, and she's afraid of, she's, she's on the other side of, of, of the state, so nobody knows her. She's afraid of being delivered. She's afraid of what's going to happen. And we've seen this multiple times. I'll, I'll give you a story. Uh, I was uh, had a phone call. We're on a we're on an international map for deliverance. An individual from New York called me, and they started talking to me about the things that they were going through. They had anxiety. They had depression. They were living uh, the government. They were living off of uh, Social Security. They were in government housing. All of these things because of their anxiety, because of their depression, because of their suicidal issues. And she said she wanted counseling. I said, well, I'm sorry. We don't counsel. We cast out demons. She goes, I don't understand. I said, the demon of anxiety, the demon of the suicide, the demon that the fear that's in your life, you come to us. We're going to cast it out in Jesus name. And you're not going to have that issue anymore. These are demonic presences. She goes, oh, no. I said, what? She goes, I can't have that. And I said, you mean. You can't have what? She goes, I can't have those demons leave. I said, what are you talking about? She goes, I'll lose my benefits. And she hung up. She would lose. She would lose her benefits. Because she would be and healed. And she would have to get a job. She would have to get a job. She would have to move out of government housing. She would stop getting her check. I'm serious. I'm serious. This this is the the fear. Get out of here. The fear of deliverance. This is for real. This is for real. People have refused to get delivered because they're they don't want to stop doing drugs. They don't want to stop the lifestyles that they have. They don't want to stop these things. And when you explain what deliverance is, you're going to get set free. You're going to get set free of those chains. Well, then who will I be? You'll be who God created you to be in the first place. Well, no, I can't do that. They're afraid of deliverance because they do. They truly want to continue to live the life that they're living. This happens all the time. Yes, it happens all the time. It is a strange and a foreign concept to everybody here, but that's the way people think about it. That's why. Well, you know, some people vote for one party because they want their benefits to keep coming. Right. <laughs> and they're what they're doing is they're literally voting for the devil. They're voting for the devil in the same way to keep their people want counseling. I want to go through 10 years of counseling. There is no 10 years of counseling in the Bible. Jesus cast it out. You don't need to come back 15 times. It takes one time to change that light bulb. I don't have to go up and screw a little bit in each day to get you right. Jesus takes care of it once and for all. When you submit to him, he is the king of kings and Lord of lords, and he will take care of it. If it's taken you more than one day, that's because of you, not because of him. Period. Yeah, I want to talk about fear for a second. Diamond, thank you for bringing that up. I thank you all for tuning in. And I pray that this is opening your eyes and you're getting some biblical and understanding these things. But I want to talk about fear. Um, whenever whenever the Lord called us in, I mean, we're all called to do deliverance. But when we started doing this and we're on the map and we're doing hundreds and we've done several hundred, cast out tens of thousands of demons across the world, across the country. We've been in Pakistan, India, Mexico, all over the world. This is the number one thing well, I never will forget. We had a guy drive all the way here from a very long distance to this church house 
And I never will forget the demon. Literally, I could feel him breathing on my neck. And he was he had the guy like his his body was paralyzed. He was all contorted. And I remember I thought, oh, my God, I could go into fear. But a lot of people get fearful. I don't know if you've ever been super scared and you feel that demonic presence, but I want you to know this is when you say no, the, the Jesus has given me authority in his name. And this is when you rise up boldly and you go before him and you look the devil. And I have done this many times. I've looked him directly in his eyes and I say, in the name of Jesus, you've got to come up and out. And they literally, they will, they will fight and they will be stubborn. But I'm going to tell you, this is when you got to know your authority. You got to know your work and you need to know you're a child of God on the most high. And you take that authority and you say, I don't have fear. And the enemy knows he knows I can't scare Leslie. I can't scare you, Lindsay. I can't scare you, Michelle. I can't scare you, Norm. I can't scare y'all because, uh-oh, they know their worth and their authority in Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, fear is a liar. He will use this. He will get loud. He will try to come at you, do whatever he can. But that's when you got to shut it down and you got to get bold and say no in the name of Jesus. And I and just since you said that, 100 percent of the time when we do deliverance, the strong man of fear is involved. Yes. 100 percent of the time. The strong man of fear, the spirit of fear is involved. Spear, fear rather, the spirit of fear brings anger in some people, sadness in other people, alcoholism in other people, drugs in other people, pride in other people. That is a strong man. That is a strong man. That's Charday, this is one that we've heard and that this is a false name. Yes. She says, I hear people say they are afraid because they think demons attached to them. I've had I've had pastors ask me that very question. Are you all afraid of doing uh, deliverance in your home? No, we cast them into the abyss. They don't stay around. They uh, they don't. We don't. I had this one gentleman. I had. That's why I don't let people touch people either, because I don't know what everybody's beliefs are. That's right. And uh, some people get upset. Well, you didn't let me lay hands. I'm not going to let you lay hands because I don't know everything that you've got going on. Because mm-hmm. I had this one guy that he allowed him to lay hands on. And then afterward, he goes, yeah, I was asking the demon to come into me. Mm. <laughs> and I'm like, exactly. I'm like, Jesus didn't even have that happen. He wouldn't have said that. And I'm like, that's why at that point, I don't let people lay hands on people. They go out in the spirit. I don't want people touching them. Okay. If they come up for healing, that's a whole different ball game. Okay. We can lay hands on for healing. That's what the Bible says, but I don't let people lay hands because I don't know everything. Cause if you got fear in you, you could be an open door. Okay. We have to understand that demons cannot jump. I've seen it happen. That's why I don't do deliverance with my eyes closed either. Demon, I can see the demon's eyes. The person's eyes are, are looking around. Why? Because they're looking for an opening somewhere else. Mm. If you're not in fear, if you have no, for, uh, if you don't have unforgiveness, if you know your authority and you know your worth, as Leslie said, you got no fear in what that demon's going to do because you got Jesus inside it. Amen. Period. Period. But that's also why I don't let everybody get involved in these things. Because I don't know where you're at. 
Okay. Does that make sense? As soon as soon as you understand these scriptures and you can say. Well, let me, and can I can I ask you a question? Can, okay. Okay. And I can say this from your response yesterday, you're not ready. Mm. That was yesterday, and yesterday's in the... Okay. Okay. Then you're ready? Am I ready? Are you ready? You're confusing me. Well, then, then, you're not, then you're not ready yet, sir. Just, I know you understand. That's okay. It's okay. And we'll talk about it in a little bit. I'm ready. Because it's not us, it's Jesus. So can we can we have this discussion afterwards, Henry? Since everybody's involved, you will have to. We'll have that discussion, and I'll answer all your questions afterwards. Not a problem. Fine. Okay. Okay. The next thing is, Satan has lost his place in the heavenly courts. Let's go to Job one six through seven. Sometimes they got people who holler at them, like you know, and make a scene, and they have to pray automatically. Some crazy Job stuff. 1, 6 through 7. I'm giving you just a rundown of what happened then and what's happening now. Job 1, 6 through 7. Now, there was a day when the sons of, of God, does everybody know what sons of God are? Okay, when it's mentioned in the Old Testament, these are angels came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. So we know at this particular time, as we can see here, that the devil had access in the heavenly courts, correct? Okay. Let's go to Luke 10, 18. Somebody put some. We're going to read all of Luke 10, uh, 17 through 20 in just a moment, but we're going to look at Luke 10, 18. Give me an amen when you got there. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Okay. Now let's turn to Revelation 12. Revelation 12. Verse 7. We're going to read 7. Through 12. We're in Revelation 12, verse 7 through 12. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail. Nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. Everybody get that? Okay. Want to Verse nine. So the great dragon was cast out, 
that serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Okay. Those are fallen angels, right? And those are the demons, right? Okay. Verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. So the accusing that was happening, he was cast down, right? He is unable to do that, correct? Does everybody understand where I'm at? Okay, we saw in Job he was able to do that. We saw Jesus saw that he was fell like lightning, and here he was cast down. And they overcame him. Who did they overcome? Satan. What? How? By the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that his time, ha he has a short time, okay? So I wanted to make sure that you understood this because when, when we were doing a deliverance the other day and I made the demons say, will this hold up in the heavenly courts? This is the reason why. Because he has no authority in the heavenly courts. We know who the judge is. We know who our counselor, the Paracletos, that's the Holy Spirit. He's the counselor. And we know that we have the authority, according to this, in, in Revelation 12, says, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, which is not just our testimony, but who we... Huh? Is there a problem? Everybody's asking for me to mute her. Okay. Oh. So you okay. Want to talk to I guess you can hear me, but. Okay. All right. Okay. So that's done. Okay. So we see this. The reason that I made the demon say, will it hold up in the heavenly courts is for this very reason. Because yeah. they need to admit that this, what they've done, what we told them to do, that they're out, that they've taken care of the things that we've commanded them. We're going to look at that in just a second as well. When we say that, will it hold up in the heavenly courts? Because they don't have a place, but they do lie about what they've done. And they do lie about doing what we've told them to do. So when we hold it up in the heavenly courts, that's it. It's done. You notice when we, when I don't know if you noticed this, but we've had, and it happened on the, in the second deliverance that we did Saturday. We asked, we told the demon to do some things and the demon said he, that they did it. And then I asked it, will it hold up in the heavenly courts? And they said, no. Why? Because they're liars. I want them to admit that it will hold up in the heavenly courts because just because they said, yes, I don't trust any demon, period. We've had demons tell people that, we had a, a demon tell an individual that they had a soul tie with us. Why would you believe a demon? Why would you believe a demon? I don't. That's why at the very end on every deliverance, we ask the Holy Spirit to intercede. We ask the Holy Spirit. Why is the Holy Spirit? He's the spirit of truth. He will be the only one that tells us the truth in the end. If there's something still there, 
the Holy Spirit will, you know, the demon will try to hide. The demon will try to hold on any way it possibly can, right? So okay. They can they can. The Holy Spirit, no, the Holy Spirit, God, the, the, the Son, they know everything. They can hide from us. They have to answer truthfully. And we go in the end to the Holy Spirit because he knows everything. And he'll be the only one. He is the spirit of truth. That's the purpose behind all of those things. Okay. So now we're going into the foundation from generational curses, breaking spells, and soul ties. Let's go back to Luke. Luke 10, 17 through 20. Amen. Amen. Whoops, on the wrong one. 10. Okay. I'll read the whole. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Now we knew that we know that they did more than just cast out demons. They healed the sick. They did the blind came to the, the, the sight came to the blind. They walked. But what was the one thing that they were they were impressed about was that demons were subject to them. Now that word subject means in the name of Jesus, demons have to do what you tell them to do. That's what that word subject means. The demon has to do what you tell it to do when you have faith and you have trust, you have no fear, and you have no unforgiveness in your life. When you proclaim these things, the demon must be subject to you. Does that make sense? In verse 18, and he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority. We'll come back to that in, in a little bit. I want you to understand what that word authority means. It gives you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Puts it in a new light, doesn't it? By nothing by any means shall hurt you. Nevertheless, everybody needs to understand this. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. All of these other things are signs, miracles, and wonders. These signs will follow those that believe. But what, what, is, what do they say to Jesus? But we cast out demons in your name. We healed the sick in your name. We did miracles in your name. And what does Jesus say to them? Away from me. I know you not, you workers of iniquity. The rejoicing in these things should not happen. The fact that he is our savior, that he is our Lord, that we've been crucified ourselves in Christ Jesus, that we have denied ourselves, picked up our cross and follow him to serve him, that all honor and all glory goes to him and him alone. 
I, I can tell you right now, even though I'm teaching this, I, I don't, I will be honest. I don't like casting out demons. It's not a lot of fun. It's not. I'd rather preach. I'd rather teach. I'd rather do the things that I like doing. But it's still one of the signs of being a believer. And that's why I do it, because it's the commission. It's what I've been told to do by Jesus himself. And I do it. I don't have a lot of great joy. I love seeing people free. I love seeing a face that is contorted, that is like 20 years older than it should be. And the demons coming out and they look like a completely different person. I love seeing that because that I see that all the time. I love seeing that, but I don't rejoice in it. I rejoice when somebody says, yes, I accept Jesus Christ as my savior. That's what I love that. When somebody finally gets transformed, when somebody finally understands there's action in that and starts believing in Jesus Christ, that's where it's at. But this is still something we have to do. We're called to do. Okay. So everybody understands that. We are to rejoice in what? We are to rejoice in what? In heaven. Amen. My name is in the book of life. Generational curses. I'm going to give you the, the background on this and then go into it completely by going to Deuteronomy 5. Deuteronomy 5. Deuteronomy 5. Six through ten. Deuteronomy five, six through ten. You'll notice that we are at the beginning of the Ten Commandments. Deuteronomy five, starting in verse six. Amen. Amen. Okay. In verse six, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. The bondage that they were in. These days, the bondage that we have is from the enemy, right? He sets us free from that. You shall, this is number one, you shall have no other gods before me. That is the first, right? That's the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. The problem is a lot of times when we have oppression uh, and, um, the, the demons are acting in our life. We have other things that go along with that, with addictions. May it be to pornography. Um, it may be a, a sexual addiction. Maybe it'll be a drug addiction or an alcoholic addiction. Those things are all demonic in nature. They don't come from God, right? So we understand that. Then we, what happens when we have demons in our lives, it opens us to having other gods beforehand. Verse eight, you shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. Any demonic spirit, period, is what he's talking about. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, 
by showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. That's a blessing because I know the prayers that my grandfather and grandmother have, the way that they live, live is going to be blessings for a thousand generations. But generational curses, as we know, we're in the new covenant. The iniquity, the sin that it's talking about, we don't pay for the sins of our fathers, right? But when I went through deliverance, there was a demonic presence, a generational curse that was in my family for 80 generations. It had to do with fear. I saw it. I could see the presence of this demon. Even in the, I saw, I saw the time when I was in the, in the room where my mother was holding me just born. And I saw the demon standing in the back of the room. That was a generational curse that was in my family for 80 generations. I saw that. Yeah. That is one of the, you know, is it a gift or it's a gift from God? Doesn't always feel like a gift by having the discerning of spirits. I saw that spirit in the delivery room after I was born. So that followed, that iniquity, that sin followed for more than four generations. How's that possible? Because it continued to get operated in generation after generation after generation. Is this making sense? Okay. So let's go on to Numbers 14. Numbers 14. Let me get back. Numbers 14, 18, and 19. The Lord is long-suffering. Everybody knows what long-suffering is, right? That's patience. And abundant in mercy. Praise God for that. Forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he by no means clears the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Those are, again, it's a repeat. I just want to make sure everybody's clear. He is patient and he is abundant in mercy. Praise God for Jesus, right? Let's go to Ezekiel 18. I'm just giving you the scriptures that have to do with generational curses. Ezekiel 18. Give me an amen when you get there. Ezekiel 28, 18, verse 24 through 32. I'll read that quickly. But when a righteous man turns away from his righteousness and commits iniquity and does according to all the abominations that the wicked man does, shall he live? All the righteousness which he has done shall not be remembered because of the unfaithful of which he is guilty and the sin which he has committed because of them he shall die praise god that jesus is around that we don't have to do that right amen yet you say the way of the lord is not fair here now o house of israel it is not my is it not my way which is fair in your way which is not fair when a righteous man turns away from his righteousness, commits iniquity, and dies in it, is it because 
of the iniquity which he is. It is because of the iniquity which he has done that he dies. It's not God. It's the sin. Again, when a wicked man turns away from the wickedness which he has committed and does what is lawful and right, he preserves himself alive. Praise God for Jesus. Because he considers and turns away from the transgression which he committed, he shall surely live. He shall not die. Yet the house of Israel says the way of the Lord is not fair. O house of Israel, is it not my ways which are fair and your ways which are not fair? Verse 30, therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel, every one according to his ways. Everyone according to his ways, says the Lord God, repent and turn from all your transgressions so that iniquity will not be your ruin. Cast away from you all the transgressions which you have committed and get yourself a what? A new heart and a new spirit. Thank you, Jesus. For why should you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of one who dies, says the Lord God. Therefore, turn and live. I wanted to read those, those three scriptures to make sure it's very plain. You know, because the law states, and we're not under the law, we're under grace now, right? But the enemy lies to us. Hey. How many of you know somebody that's great-great-grandfather was a drunk? Their grandfather was a drunk. Their dad was a drunk. They're a drunk and their kids are drunks. How many of you know somebody like that? Why is that? That's a generational curse. It didn't just go for three or four generations because each person picked up the demonic activity and continued in it. Now, why is one brother a drunk and the other brother is not? Because that person has refused that generational curse. They've made an effort not to do that. Now, if you're a drunk, and you want to stop that, that generational curse, you've got to rebuke it. You're going to remove it in Jesus' name. Praise God for Jesus, right? Because it says right here, therefore, turn and live. That word turn means to repent. Who do we live by? Now, in the new covenant, who do we live by? Jesus. So if you want a generational curse broken over yourself and your seed, you claim it. In Jesus' name, you can break it by repenting. Now, I uh, that's why when we are doing deliverance, we we forgive our ancestors for what they participated in because forgiveness is key. We repent from those things. We break that. We bind them. We turn that to ashes. We remove that over ourselves and our seed moving forward. These are the biblical precedences before, for that. Does everybody understand? That's how generational curses are broken. Moving on to breaking spells. Let's go to Matthew 16, 18 through 19. Matthew 16, 18 and 19. And I also say to you that you are Peter, that's Petros, and on this rock, which is Petras, 
two different words. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I want you to see that the correct translation for that is if it's already bound in heaven, you have the authority to bind it on earth. If it's already loosed in heaven, you have the authority to loose it on earth in Jesus' name. We don't have the authority to change things that God has put into place, right? We know that. So if it's already loosed by Jesus, we have the ability to loose it in Jesus' name. If it's already bound by Jesus in the heavenly realms, we have the authority to bind it. So that's why if someone has spoken a curse over you, how many of you know somebody like, oh my gosh, they that witch said a curse over me and they're living in fear. Anybody, especially the Hispanic in the, in the, in the Hispanic, in the, exactly. But in the, in the Hispanic culture, that's a massive thing here in South Texas. That's a, in the native American as well. That's a lie from the enemy. God, Jesus says the gates of hell will not prevail. Does everybody understand what a gate is? That's where business was conducted. In, in this period of time, they went to the gates and they conducted business. That says that the devil himself has no business at the gate. It is, it, it's negated. It's done in Jesus' name. Anybody spoke a curse over you? All you have to do is say, I break that curse. I turn it to ashes in Jesus' name. And it's done. Period. But you also need to do it over yourselves. How many of you have spoken curses over yourself and your children? You know how you stop it? You break the own, your own curse. I break and bind any curse that I've spoken over myself. And I break and bind any curse that I've spoken over my seed in Jesus' name. It's gone. It's done. Yes. Because I've been given the authority in Jesus' name to bind on earth what's already bound in heaven and loose on earth what's already been loosed in hell. Okay. That Jenna's also mentioning the silver cord. People that are into witchcraft, um, they use familiar spirits to have their, their, their soul man and their spirit come out and it's attached with a silver cord. It's called astral projecting. People will astral project. It's a monitoring spirit that happens. You have the authority also to cut that silver cord. That's very often, very often. I'm sorry. Okay. People that are in witchcraft use demonic spirits to astral project outside of their bodies. They leave their body. To leave their bodies. But there's, there's no way to leave it without a connection. It's called a silver cord. They can leave, not in the physical sense, but they mentally can go out and look at somebody and watch somebody. We were doing a... a uh, a deliverance here, and I I saw I saw up in that corner I saw a man watching us do a deliverance, and I and I started asking I started asking the individual questions. Is this person that's 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 afflicting you? That's a witch that's in your life. Do he has short hair or long hair? He goes. He has short hair. Does he wear like a jacket or does he just just wear a t shirt? He just wears a t shirt. I said, is it like jeans or are they like kind of skinny jeans and kind of like uh, really like full of holes and they're kind of old? He goes, 
or do you, does he wear slacks? He goes, the skinny jeans. And that's exactly what I saw in the corner. I saw a man with short hair with a white t-shirt, a dirty white t-shirt and skinny jeans. He was astral projecting into the deliverance to hinder what was going on there. When he cut the silver cord and said it in Jesus' name, that man disappeared. That's Asher. Scripture. Okay. Ecclesiastes 12, 6 through 14 is is the reference scripture. I I haven't looked it up, but she's referencing Ecclesiastes 12, 16 through 14 on astral projecting. But we need to cut that cord. If you have people in your lives that are warlocks, wizards, witches that have spoken over you, it's a good idea. It's not just a good idea. It's essential. Cut the silver cord because those people, especially the deeper they get into these things, this is what it says. Okay, that's Leslie looked it up. That's dead on. You want to cut those cords because it's a monitoring spirit because you were like, well, how do they always know what I'm doing? How do they, how do how does somebody will call you up and say, oh, you were doing that such and such. How do they, because they are using monitoring spirits to watch you. So you cut that silver cord. Ecclesiastes 12, 6 through 14. And they're reforced, they're forced to return to the body when you cut that silver cord. That's happened many times. Every time we have witchcraft as a, a Jezebel spirit or witchcraft spirit, uh, a spirit of Balaam that's going on in somebody, nearly every single time we do a, a we cut the silver cord and immediately things change. I do. Yes, we do. I do. Yes, I do. Because yes. I'm in spiritual warfare all day, every day. Yeah, we're dealing with stuff. So I, I would encourage everybody. I mean, that's why we pray every day, you know, even over our sleep and our dreams. I mean, we're rebuking where we not. I mean, anything. And, and I don't know. A lot of y'all, a lot of y'all have received our arsenal prayers. The arsenal prayers, multiple pages of prayer that we pray over our sleep, over our lives, over our children and everything. Because I just want to. I know Jesus got everything covered, but I want to say it. I want to proclaim it. I want to say it out loud. And I, I, I do that every single day. Amen. And if you want those prayers, get with me and get your email address. I'll send you all those prayers. Amen. Okay. Okay. So that is the breaking of spells. Jesus has given us the authority because it's already bound in heaven. It's already loosed in heaven. We have the ability to do the same thing. Now let's go back to Luke 10, 19. I want you to look at this word authority. Matthew, Mark, Luke 10, 19. Let's just help everybody find it quickly. Luke 10 and 19. Amen. It says, behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, some of you may have the translation. It says, I give you the power. Does anybody have that on their translation say power? Okay. The word power is dunamis. The word that we're talking about is excusia. Excusia is a legal term. It gives you the jurisdiction in the heavenly courts to stand against serpents and scorpions and against all of the dark kingdom. 
God has given you, Jesus has given you, the Holy Spirit inside of you has given you the jurisdiction, the victory, so to speak, in the heavenly courts already, according to the word of God. Period. You have the jurisdiction over these things. Amen. We have the jurisdiction. Amen. That's what that word excusia means. The last thing that we're going to be talking about is soul ties. Soul ties in a sexual immorality way and also in unrighteous connections. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 6, 16 through 20. Amen. First Corinthians 6, 16 through 20. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? That's a soul tie. 50, we can read from 15. I'm sorry. Do you not know that your body, bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? That's a soul tie. Or the two, he says, shall be uh, for the two shall become one. Verse 17. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. The Corinthians were having some issues. They were saved and they were still doing some things. We know that one of the people that were in the church, he was sleeping with his mother. There was incest going on. We know that was going on in the church of Corinth because Paul mentioned it. This says, have nothing to do with them. Sexual immorality is two things. One, we can we see the immorality. It is sex outside of marriage. It's sex with somebody that is married and you're not married to them. It also includes homosexuality and it also includes bestiality and incest. All of those things are covered. When you do those things with anything else, you have a connection to that. Make sense? Okay. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Second, 2 Corinthians 6 and 14 through 18. Amen. Amen. It says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial, which is another word for Satan? Or what part has a unbeliever, a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. And as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. 
Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be your I be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. I read both of those scriptures. One is a soul tie that comes into place from sexual intercourse. The second one is from inappropriate connections. I cover both of those because we we broke soul ties. One woman that we were doing deliverance are on, she had a soul tie with Whitney Houston. She never met Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston had no idea who she was, but she did not have a mother. She had turned Whitney Houston into her mom. She had conversations growing up as a child. She continued to, to, she continued to talk to Whitney about getting advice from Whitney her whole adult life. And when Whitney Houston died, she went into months of grief because her mom had died. She had a negative soul tie and ideations with uncleanness. So we break soul ties, not only from negative ideations, but also connections with anyone that you've had outside of marriage that you have a connection to. We bring whatever you gave them back to you and send back whatever they gave to you, we send back to the individual. Yeah, we see this a lot in almost every deliverance we do with the soul. We, we do this. And that's why we're giving you a list of everything that needs to be done um, for deliverance. But I see this a lot with like myself. I had to cut soul ties with an ex-best friend of mine because she was a part of witchcraft. Uh, she brought a lot of negative things into my life. She did a lot of things and I had to forgive her and I had to cut soul ties with her because I was done. I mean, I could not participate any longer. So I'm just saying this. I know each and every one of us in this room, I'm sure I want to speak for everybody, but you all probably have had something negative that you've associated with. That you are a person and you and God has revealed it to you and you need to cut those ties in Jesus name. So this would be like somebody that you may not even hang out with anymore, but you can't stop thinking about them. You can't stop thinking about what they did to you or the things that you did yes. with them or you were party to for whatever reason. Yes, actually always bring that up. Need to break soul ties with divorce. Yes. In Jesus name. So these are things that that we do. We break generational curses. Okay. We break curses, spells that are spoken. We we break and bind soul ties. We also make sure forgiveness is taken care of in all ways. If you're holding on to unforgiveness, that's going to impede everything. And I want you all to understand you have the authority in Jesus name to get rid of all of these things, not operate in them any longer and have them removed from your life moving forward. The last scripture I want to read before if we have any questions is 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 through 24. Okay, that's not a problem. Just a suggestion. Amen, I'm there. Amen. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Sanctification and consecration are the same. That is being made completely clean and whole. It says, may the God of peace do that. 
and may your whole spirit, soul, and body, it's showing all three aspects, be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. So if any of these things that, that we talked about today and gave you the scriptures, you're dealing with those things, Jesus, the God of peace, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit will sanctify you and consecrate you completely. Glory to God. He will take your, if you have demonic issues in your mind, which is your soul, if he has, you have demonic issues in your body, mine can be fear, mine can be anxiety, mine can be depression, mine can be the, any kind of mental state that you can't get away from. Also in the body, the physical, whether it be a spirit of infirmity or an addiction or many other things, God can take care of all of those things in Jesus' name, period. The word of God is very clear. You don't have to hang on to any of these things. Jesus is taking care of all of it. He's given us the authority for those who believe and are baptized or changed. These are the signs that will follow you. Guys online, does, in, does anybody have any questions or if you would like to get in touch with us, if it's uh, more detailed than we have time for right now, you're more than welcome. Uh, I'm going to put in, in here, I get my, yeah, I'm going to put it in, in here, in the event, if you have any questions, that's my phone number. That's my direct phone number. It is in, it's in the chat box. It's in the chat box on, you just pop up the chat box. If you have any questions about what we spoke about at all tonight, you want to go into it a little bit deeper, or if you're ready for deliverance and you're, you feel like you've got some of the issues that you want taken care of and you want to get in touch with us and schedule deliverance, we'd be more than happy to do that as well. Okay, there's my phone number. It's 281. For those that can't see it, it's 281, or you can write this down if you're able to, 281-543-1969, 281-543-1969. That's my direct line. Ladies, if you call me, I will refer you to Leslie, or we'll have a, that's that's her right behind me right here. That's Leslie. <laughs> if you call and you text me and, you, and this, if you're a lady, I will refer you to Leslie just to make sure. Prayer request. <laughs> Ashley, we got you down. I got you down for your prayer request. Guys, I will encourage you. I'm going to answer any questions that are here with folks that are live. But if you have any prayer requests, please put them in the comments field as well. Okay, guys. If you have detailed questions, if you have uh, things that you would like to talk to me about personally one-on-one, uh, we're going to do that after this. We're going to be eating. We're going to have that. And I'll be more than happy to answer any oh, questions. Silas's coffee. Oh, it's Silas. Okay. So I've got. Okay. That's a great question. What was the question? What about the, dilem uh, the aftermath of deliverance? I've seen some struggle with embarrassment. Yes. And. That's why when we do deliverance, I want to make sure everybody understands uh, it is it's important. It's important not to let embarrassment, guilt and shame comes from who? The devil. It doesn't come from Jesus. He's come to set us free. Now, in the Old Testament, sacrifice 
did not include a clean conscience, but Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. So if you have embarrassment, you have a struggle embarrassment, understand the word of God is very clear. Nothing is uncommon to all men. Uh, we've we've heard all things. We've we've seen almost everything that you could possibly imagine. And God, in the name of Jesus, has taken care of every single thing. There's no aftermath of of deliverance other than tearing down strongholds. Um, just briefly, strongholds are, are thought processes. You have ways of that you have done things before. Maybe the first way that you think you go to fear or the first thing that you think is you go to anger or the first thing you think is go to offense. Well, that's a stronghold that needs to be rebuked out loud in Jesus name. Now, I want to make sure everybody understands the reason you rebuke things out loud is because the devil cannot read your mind. That's right. He lies to you and makes you think he can, but demons and the devil, they've lost that authority. They've been kicked out of heaven. They have no place in heaven, as we read in Revelation chapter 12. So they are watching your countenance. They're watching your, your facial expressions. So if you have something that's afflicting you and you and your anger is an issue, and after deliverance, you keep feeling like you, you at times you just want to get angry. That's a stronghold. I rebuke the spirit of anger in my life in Jesus' name. I rebuke the spirit of fear in my life in Jesus' name. That's what we do in the aftermath. Therefore, there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Quentin, who walk not by the flesh, but after the spirit. That's Romans 8.1. Amen. Thank you, brother. There's no condemnation. There's no fear. There's no guilt. There's no shame. Of are those that walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. The devil wants you to walk in the flesh again. The devil wants you to open up doors, but we don't have to do that. Yeah, guys, once the demonic presence is removed, you've broken everything, you've turned it to ashes, you've done all of this, you were completely free. Remember, the enemy's still there tempting you. I want you to understand the stronghold has to be broke down over and over and over. Like Ben, pornography. You think that the enemy was done with him? The demonic presence of the pornography was gone, but he had to break that the stronghold temptation. down. That was a temptation. He had to rebuke it. If it's a hundred times a day that it comes in, you got to rebuke it a hundred times a day. Let the enemy know you mean business. You're not going back. You're not opening doors up to allow that to afflict you anymore. It's done in Jesus' name. And, and that's important. And I've had this discussion where people want being to be delivered from smoking cigarettes. Uh, we'll do the deliverance. But if you leave and go buy cigarettes, you're opening that door up and that addiction is coming right back in. And generally speaking, as Jesus said, seven stronger demons come back in with it. You need to be ready for it and understand that you have grace, hottest to come against those things. Yes, Yes, Charday. Youth deliverance is different. This yes. is under a different thing. Um, and I'll have to get with you uh, because this is under a spiritual authority, which is a parent. Yes. And uh, we recommend that the parent goes through the deliverance first, because if we do deliverance on a youth, they go back in their home and it's still there. Generational curses, Generational curses everything's still there. So we do the we always first. do the parent first and advise and counsel the parent and do discipleship with the parent and let the youth, because remember, we can't just go casting out demons and doing this without their permission. That's it. Because the demon has legal right as long as you allow the demon to be there. And that's a, that's a good point. 
You don't just walk down the street casting out demons because most people don't want their demons let gone. <laughs> you can cast out a demon because the demon has to submit to you and is subject to you in Jesus name. But if you cast out a demon and the person is not willing, the person will go back and just do it. And it's they're in a worse off situation. You don't want to do that to people. Period. And that's why usually desperation equals deliverance. You're going to have to want the deliverance. And if you want it, it's going to be gone. And yes. Quint Quentin, amen. You need to remember the temptation is not the sin, but given into the temptation is the sin. Amen. This is, this is those that suffer from a sexual, the a homosexual demon. It's not the temptation of homosexuality. It's participating. That's the sin. Right. Does everybody make, does that make sense? When you, y'all, I have, I have homosexual ideations. Sure. I have homosexual thoughts. That's not the sin. It's the participation in the temptation. That's where the sin comes. And in. you can rebuke that thought and you say, I rebuke, rebuke you it. in the name of Jesus. Rebuke it I Jesus. say that I capture every thought and obedience to Christ in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 So guys, I'm going to go ahead. If y'all have any questions, you've got my phone number. Please feel free, 281-543-1969. If you have any prayer requests, I have a, a couple. Please make sure you put that on the screen, and I'm going to go around the room. Any prayer requests? How's your voice doing? <laughs> it's getting better in Jesus' name. <laughs> okay. Michelle? Um. I have a prayer request for my friend Melinda and her husband Chris. They're in New Mexico. Um, I was speaking to her. She wanted to kill herself. That's my suicide. So suicide. And they were both drinking. Mm. And I've been trying. We were supposed to have another phone call this morning, but they're not answering their phone. So. Mm. Jesus name. And also my one of my dear dear friends in New Mexico, um, Rita Dell, her mother passed away mm -hmm. a couple of days ago. Mm -hmm. And all three of these are Native American. So there's there's a lot of it. <laughs> and I was really blessed to be able to minister to these to these guys when I was in New Mexico. Praise God. And I'm here and it's like they've all just mm. scattered. Mike? Mike. It's a good one. Sorry. Wisdom. Wisdom. Mm -hmm. Henry? Uh, I spoke that I'm with both amen amen cheryl Anything else, ma'am? Okay. Norma? 
Deeper in the word. Understanding or desire or both. Mark? Jack? Well, you daughter. Okay. Irma? My sister. Mr. Bruce? Uh, CBS and Walgreens are now in the business of providing abortion fairs to women, and they're not giving the information. It's more dangerous than a Actual physical, yes. Uh, abortion in the kind all kinds of issues and cuts. Yes, it's more dangerous <laughs> than the pill and And more than Walmart is now in the process of defined, but they know it's going to have a negative impact on their business. So they may not improve it. And the one other topic is not a prayer required on the category of unforgiveness. Some psychiatric medical issues are caused from unforgiveness, and also some physical medical illnesses are also. But most people in the medical field are not trained to recognize stuff like that. They just trained to treat causes and symptoms. So people have to make themselves aware of it. A percentage of psychiatrists do understand uh, affecting people, but not others. You can. That's all. Unspoken. Amber? For me, unspoken. And, um, Ogilvy's Ogilvy. You know, the gentleman that we were praying for, he passed on Sunday, uh, the ex-sheriff, DeWitt County. Uh, yes, he passed away. He came home from, uh, from the hospital and uh, he was, uh, his wish was for his whole family to be there. And that was my understanding. His whole family was there, but we do need to keep his family in prayer. Leslie? And yes, sir. I pray for the family of this young man that we fished last Saturday. And yes. They still, they, they, they did? No, they never found his body. And one of them, one of them is. Mm. So there's, there's a lot of. Anger, yes. Might be a situation that didn't have life jackets on. Doesn't sound like people yeah. shooting us. It was a lot. But they both had such and such. It was some bad choices. Yeah. It was some bad. It was some bad choices. One of the fellows 
one guy tried to go out and tell him to come back in. The rain, it was raining sideways. And it was like, it was more like a car trying to beat a train across, you know, the track, trying to beat a tugboat with barges behind. The tugboat was shining its light in their eyes. They blamed it on the tugboat. Like, well, they shouldn't have been in the world. Okay. Also, I want to keep uh, the Saturday. Yes. Keep the ladies' event Saturday in in uh, in prayer. I also want a, a a gentleman by the, the name of Steve McKnight as a revival going on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in Yoakum, keep him in prayer. Uh, he's always got a really good word and a lot of healing has happened and manifested in, in his revivals. So his name is Steve McKnight. And so keep him in prayer, uh, please, if you would. Okay. We love you too, Quentin. Um, so I got, I've got a couple of prayers online. So we're going to go ahead and go into prayer before we let everybody go. I think Ben's going to try to go to Ashley. Uh, Steve McKnight tags us and everything. He, he so if if, I, if we can go, yeah, I'm going to try to go. I'm we'll going to try. try to go. I'm going to try to go Friday we're night. Try to go. But yeah. I got my ladies' breakfast on Saturday, so Amen. on Saturday. Amen. Let us know an address. Sure, I can get with you after that. Yes, that love y'all so love much. Love you guys. So if you would please bow your heads and close your eyes as we go into prayer. Father God, I just thank you so much. Thank you for everything that you've done for us. Thank you for your word. And I thank you, Jesus. When you said on the cross, Telestia, it is finished. That we have the authority in your name. That all of this is finished. It's all been taken care of by you, Jesus. And I thank you for that. And I thank you for the healing. And I claim by the stripes of Jesus, the healing over everyone here, the prayer requests spoken and unspoken alike on those that need healing. Father God, on every single count. Healing of the mind, healing of the body, maybe even the need for wisdom, discernment, and understanding. Father God, you give that. It says in your word that the wisdom from heaven is pure and love. And we lean on that right now in Jesus' name. Father God, strengthen us. You are a consuming fire. Light us up. Light your body up, Father God. Let us let you have your way, Holy Spirit. We don't have to go through the motions because you do all things. Father God, we continue to pray. The fivefold ministry is seen in churches. We continue to pray that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are active and operating in churches. We say all of that in Jesus' name. Father God, I just say the food that we are about to partake of. Father God, however it was before we received it, we negate anything the enemy has done over it or set over it. Any curses that have been spoken, we cover it with the blood of Jesus and that it will enter us, fuel our bodies so that we can be the hands and the feet as we are called to be, to walk out in the great commission. And all of these things we claim in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen and amen. Guys online, thank you very much. We love you guys. And if you want to join us next Wednesday. We have this every Wednesday night. We have Bible study. We would love to see you then too. All right, guys, y'all take care.